Boys. Welcome to another episode in our series of podcasts on infant baptism. I'm your host, Pastor Stewart from Christ Church Opelousas, and with me as always is Pastor Brandon Neely, lead lead pastor of all of Christ Church. What's up, Pastor Brandon? Hey, I'm doing well. You had a good weekend, good Sunday? I did. I had a great Sunday. Yeah, me as well. It was nice. It was a good uh, It was a good uh, sermon and all kinds of cool things. Had some visitors come in from out of town. It was a it was a good time. Good. It was a good time. Yeah, we had a great time as well. Nice. And uh, I feel refreshed and ready for another week. I do too. It's nice. Uh, Lord's Day is a good day. Uh, today, we are talking about the mode of baptism. Yeah. What is a mode? What does that mean? How much water should we apply? <laughs> Measured in liters. <laughs> Measured in liters. And should that water be applied top down, or should we have it awaiting the person to to plunge themselves in? You know, is it a active mode or a passive mode? Mm. I've know? seen many a mode of baptism. Yeah, I've seen the little bit of water. It's more like just sprinkled on somebody's head, mm-hmm. like a tiny bit. I've seen somebody dump a bucket of water on top of somebody else. Wasn't that the ice? You know the ice the challenge. Ice challenge. Or what was <laughs> no, no. So they were they were having the baptisms, and there was a there was an older person that was getting baptized, and they couldn't get into the baptismal because okay. their limb their legs didn't work, and so they just got a big bucket and dumped it over her head. Okay, so it's like a it's like a five gallon bucket. I think it was wow. something like that, like a the end of a football game. Yeah, kind of like that, like the Gatorade. Have you ever seen the way they did it in the Old Testament, where they would dip a branch into water and then sling it on a crowd? No, <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I've never seen that one either. Mm, it's impressive, though. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's what group mass baptisms? The, I've seen the dunking thing. I've seen the. Uh, I mean, imagine like three thousand people get saved in one day. Repent and be baptized for the promises are to you and what to your you children. Do? What would you I, do? You know, is get in line. Walk it's through the line. river, guys. Let's long, long done. line here. Yeah, it would take some time. Interesting. Mode's always been a, a, a you know. Fairly big discussion, at least since the 1700s, and a lot of people fight about it. I've uh, since the beginning of my ministry, I've always stated that we shouldn't fight too dogmatically or passionately over the amount of water that is used. Okay, there's there's no place in Scripture that commands the precise metric, you know, for how much water to use. Okay, okay. I don't believe that how much water we use or how that water is applied, is something that should divide us. We have enough things that divide us already. Amen. And we don't need to divide over various aspects of a sign. Especially in the context of history in which we live right now. Sure. There are are much bigger fish to fry than this particular issue. Right. Um, But while we we say that, um, how we baptize, I do believe, should be biblical. We should be able to make the case from the Bible. Agreed. We don't have the right to worship God how we see fit. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. one of the the important lessons of the regulative principle. Amen. We don't get to <clears throat> substitute various elements in the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. We don't get mm-hmm. to baptize however we creatively feel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because he has ordained these signs. Right. These are signs that have a significant deeper meaning that he has ordained. Right. And we want to do as best we can to find out how God baptizes, okay. find out how we are instructed to baptize, and to look at all of Scripture in so doing. Amen. So that's the question for today's talk. What mode should we use in baptism? Mm. All right, let's go. Where are we starting? Well, let's start with this question. Okay, what mode does God use 
when he baptizes. Okay. Okay. It's interesting. Um, Has he ever immersed anyone in Scripture? There's been the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing that I. Goes, okay, you goes got to my God brain. pouring out the Spirit. That's good. But has God ever immersed anyone? Hmm, I'm thinking. I, nothing's go, coming to mind. Go all the way back. All the way back. Okay. Okay. Well, there's the Jordan when they walked through the river, but it was dry. So they that's walked not through on dry land. That's right. The okay. Red Sea. They walked through on dry land. And Paul says they were baptized in the sea. Okay. Okay. But what about the Egyptian armies? Yep. No, they were definitely dunked. <laughs> that one, Interesting. That one counts, I suppose. Now, Peter said that the flood was a type or a sign of baptism. Okay. Okay. Was anyone immersed in that particular story? Everybody who was evil was immersed. People outside. Fully immersed. Heart. Well, maybe we're making too much of this, but God does immerse people. He does. He definitely mm. does. Um, but it's not a good thing when it happens. <laughs> at least not in those examples. <laughs> Maybe our listeners can come up with some other examples. But yeah. how does God baptize in the New Testament? All right, in the New Covenant. Let's say that. Okay. You know, some people might um, they might stumble over our Old Testament references, the okay. flood and the Red Sea. Even though Peter and Paul both say those are types of baptism. Okay. Baptize- let's look at uh, let's okay. look at Acts chapter one verse five. All right, here we go. Um, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, picking up in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice the recipients are passive. Okay. They are not um, plunging themselves into the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is coming upon them. Okay. Okay. This is fulfilled in Acts 2, verse 3. Okay. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was prophesied that Jesus would baptize them with the Spirit. This happened at his ascension Mm -hmm. on the day of Pentecost. And Mm -hmm. when he baptized them with the Spirit, the Spirit rested upon them Mm -hmm. as the tongues of fire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Acts 2 verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. See, there's that thing that I was thinking of. That's right. That's the prophecy, and, and Peter there is referring to the book of Joel, okay, where Joel where Joel promises the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How does God baptize with the Spirit? He pours. He pours he it pours out. He pours it out. You are the passive recipient, mm-hmm. and he pours out his Spirit on you. Okay, got he it. He causes you to be born again. Right. He baptizes you in the Spirit. I'm tracking. There were numerous prophecies as well in the Old Testament that pointed forward to the days when the Spirit of God would be poured out in the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. Isaiah thirty-two fifteen it says, "Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high." Isaiah forty-four three, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit upon your offspring and my blessing. On your descendants. Ezekiel 36, 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. From all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart. You see, the promise Mm -hmm. prophesied Mm -hmm. in the new covenant is of the pouring out of the Spirit, Mm -hmm. the sprinkling of clean water. Mm -hmm. Zechariah 12, 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy 
so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced. See, all of these are fulfilled in the coming of the New Covenant in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. and all of these prophecies, when they speak of this, they speak of God baptizing by pouring out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's a theological lesson. When Jesus was baptized by the Spirit, the Spirit descended upon him as a dove. We receive the Spirit of God as a gift of God's grace. It is poured out upon us. Right, okay. It is not us standing there deciding Mm -hmm. and initiating this uh, union with with, uh, Christ. I see it. It's poured out on us. Right, right. Right? Now, these Old Testament prophecies, as we say, they're all coming fulfilled at Pentecost. Okay. And in the book of Acts. And so Luke describes... What happens in in the book of Acts? We can see Acts 2, verse 33. Okay, Acts 2, 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He's talking about the pouring out of the Spirit. Pouring out of the Spirit. Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Then Peter declared, this is verse 47, can anyone withhold water, literally like hold it back, for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Acts eleven fifteen. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't think you can get around this. <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty clear. It seems pretty direct. Yeah, the pouring out, the pouring out. When God baptizes, out. it's pouring. Now, let me. can I, can I play devil's advocate? Please do, please okay. do. So the classic argument that I hear is, yeah, but baptismo, the Greek, always means immerse. Only ever means that. And that is an assertion I've heard as well, but it is absolutely false. Really? Baptizo never means immerse in the New Testament. Oh, snap. Okay, now I just made an alternate assertion. (laughs) And maybe someone can find a happy place in the middle where they say it sometimes means immersion. Okay, okay. But I'm going to say to people, and they can do their own study, Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It never means immersion. Right. Well, in these instances, it keeps saying <coughs> baptism in the sense of pouring out. It keeps saying it over and over again. Baptize, pour out, baptize, Well, pour and out. it's not necessarily baptizo here, but it's clearly referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. John baptized, baptizo with water. Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then when he baptizes them with the Holy Spirit, it's always in the mode of pouring out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now... None of this, well, just to, to go to your particular um, question more precisely, yeah. first of all, you have to understand that when they are saying baptizo all, always means immerse, they're only looking at the New Testament. They're not looking okay. at the Septuagint or the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. Okay. okay. That's why oftentimes you'll see in the ESV and modern day translations that when the word baptizo is in the New Testament, when it refers to Old Testament baptisms, mm-hmm. it's translated washings. Ah, you know they want to sell okay. Bibles. Okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Baptists are the number one denomination in the country. That's who buys the Bibles. Okay, but the word baptizo translated washings. Mm. It's still baptizo. I see. And when I it see. is translated washings, because it's referring to an Old Testament baptism, the Baptists don't count those times. <laughs> Not in the Septuagint. Well, listen, Nebuchadnezzar was baptized with the 
dew of heaven. Mm. Daniel 4.25. Okay, okay. That's translated in the Septuagint as baptizo. Mark 7, 1 through 8, okay? Okay. This is baptizo. The Jews baptized their couches and their furniture every day. Mm. We know what the Jews did. They didn't go around. They were dunking it. <laughs> yeah, who wants to sit on a soggy, wet couch? <laughs> It's a clean. It's a. It's, it's a, a ritual it's a cleansing. cleansing. Yeah, yeah it's referring to a ritual cleansing. Yeah. Now, yeah. Edersheim, who's a, a great a historian and a, and a, um, anthropologist and and whatnot, that tells us about the customs of the Jews. He said they always baptize their couches and their furniture mm. with sprinkling. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to know this more precisely, look up Mark seven verse four. Go to BibleHub.org, I believe, or mm-hmm. BibleHub.com. Mm-hmm. And click on Mark 7, verse 4, then click the word at the top called, it says Greek, click the Greek, look down for the word washings or sprinklings, mm-hmm. and look at the Greek word, you will see it is baptizo. Mm-hmm. And baptizo, just for people who don't study Greek, it has various forms, mm-hmm. so you have to make sure that you're not looking for necessarily the exact expression baptizo. Mm-hmm. It has other forms of the same um, word, mm-hmm. in the same way that we say um to go to the store in the past tense is he went to the store. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, yeah, went and you. go. It would be hard to see the connection there, right. but it's the yeah, same I word. You. I got you. In got Hebrews you. chapter 9, verses 10 through 23, it lists all the various baptisms, washings, translated washings, mm-hmm. baptizo, mm-hmm. that the Jews um, participated in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the sprinkling of all kind of things. Right. You can look at it in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 10. Once again, Hebrews 9, 10, click on the Bible Hub app, click Greek, and you will see baptizo, and you will see in the context, it cannot mean immersion. Right. Okay. It never means immersion. Mm. Mm. You say, well, what about the Ethiopian eunuch? That's true, because it definitely seemed like he was immersed. Yeah, what's the what's the problem with that? Yep. Yep. <coughs> That's Acts 8, 38. Got a cough today. Yeah, look at, let's look no at the COVID. Ethiopian eunuch, okay? I mean, clearly, clearly. Bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> Baptizo, immerse, Acts 8, 38. Let's yep. read it. Let's and see if... he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Ah, you see the immersion there, right? He came up out of the water. Yep, but that's not what it says. But but he came up, Brandon. It's it says he it right did there. come up out of the water. It says they came. But up it out doesn't of the water. say he came up out of the water, does it? Look at it closely. Oh, it says they. Oh, oh what kind right. of? <laughs> Maybe they both went down together. <laughs> What's going on there? <laughs> they locked arms and leaned back and then hopped up again. This expression coming up out of the water is used all over the Bible. It refers to walking up onto the bank. Mm. That's why they went down into the water, walked out into the water, mm. and they came up out of the water. I got it. I got it. This is not like uh, him baptizing himself, and they're both going under. Right. No, this is not an argument for baptism by immersion. It's just the phrase came up out of the water is so confirming of a bias. I see. Your bias is so strong, you forget to read the pronoun. (laughs) (laughs) Pronouns are tricky. And I mean, this is it's baptizo does not mean immerse. Now, you can immerse it. your hands in a fount. You can baptize your hands in a fount. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can immerse your body in, in something. I, I, but but the, the idea that the word baptizo always means immerse is just objectively false. Mm. And I used to believe true. that. I don't mean any ill will at all, but it is an ob- just objectively false. Can't be true. 
understand. Yeah. You, you say, but, but why did they walk out into the water then? Why why not just dunk a can pour a canteen on his head uh, over by the camels? Mm, that's true. It's a good argument, right? Sure. Well, you have to understand the Ethiopian eunuch is a Jewish convert. Okay. And there were laws in the Old Testament about how to do Jewish proselyte baptism. Uh, and you couldn't just use any old water. Okay. Imagine standing on the side of a, a of a desert wadi, a little dirty, muddy stream. Yeah. And dumping the you know the water right there on the edge right. on someone. Yeah. That's not You're really dumping mud. Clean. No, yeah. baptism is a sign uh, symbolizing the cleansing of the Holy Spirit of God, making one ritually clean mm-hmm. and giving them access to the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the rules applied in the Old Testament meant they had to use running water, and it had to be clean water. Mm-hmm. That's why it's necessary for there to be water, ritually clean water, quote unquote, and that's right. why they have to walk out into the water a little bit. Right, because they got to get to the clean side. They that's gotta... right. That's why pictures of Jesus being baptized that are painted on cave walls in the first century are of Jesus and John standing in knee-deep water and John pouring that water on Jesus' head Mm, because it had to be ritually clean water. I see it. The Didache, which is a a great um, early writing of Christians, it was written before 70 AD. It gives all the rules that were necessary for the types of water needed in baptism. Mm. And then it says very clearly in the Didache, they baptize by sprinkling, mm. right? Oh, snap. Watch out. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't prove anything necessarily, because the Didache is not Scripture, but it right. does show us that the early Christians were following Old Testament rules mm. about baptism, and that's why the Ethiopian eunuch didn't just have a canteen poured on his head right there at the, at yeah. the camel. But regardless it. of whether or not someone receives any of that, there's no evidence that they were immersed. Mm-hmm. They they mm-hmm. walked out into the water. They went up out of the water. Mm-hmm. Right? I see it. But forget, let's say you just totally, uh, I don't know, I don't know about all that. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know about that, Brandon. Yeah. It doesn't seem reliable. Maybe it's not conclusive. Maybe it's not conclusive. I'm not convinced. Let me ask you this, though. Okay. Why would an Ethiopian eunuch who is reading the scroll of Isaiah, mm-hmm. and we know that he's reading Isaiah, the Bible tells us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're given the quotes, and we know where in Isaiah he's reading. He's mm-hmm. reading right around chapter 52, 53. Okay. Now, remember, there's no chapter divisions, there's no verse divisions, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a book, he has a scroll. Okay. Okay, so he's reading on, on his uh, camel, <laughs> or he's being carried in some sort of a litter where he has the ability to read his scroll. Okay, I got it, I got it. He asked Philip, who is this that the prophet is speaking of? The suffering servant of Isaiah. And mm-hmm. Philip says that's the Messiah. And then he has the bright idea. Well, what would prohibit me from being baptized? There's water right over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, where would he get that idea? That believing in the Messiah, now he needs to be baptized. Maybe he read it. <laughs> it's in Isaiah 52, verse 13. Okay. Behold, okay. my servant... That's Jesus. Okay. Shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, referring to the crucifixion, mm-hmm. and his form beyond that of a chi- children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Oh, snap. What's nations? In the Greek Septuagint, it's ethnos, mm-hmm. of Gentiles. which the Ethiopian eunuch belongs. Right. 
Later in Isaiah, it even says that he will bring to himself eunuchs, mm. Gentile eunuchs. This was good news for the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm-hmm. Believing mm-hmm. on that Messiah, he recognized that the Messiah would, quote, sprinkle the Gentiles, mm. and mm-hmm. he wanted to be one of them. See, because sprinkling was the sign of the cleansing of the Holy Spirit going out to the many nations. Mm. This is a beautiful picture of how the gospel in the new covenant expands to the many nations, including the Ethiopian eunuchs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where would he get the idea of baptizing? Well, it's from verse 15 right there. Right. And it's not immersion. It's not pouring. It's sprinkling. sprinkling. Oh, snap. There. If it was immersion, they would have translated it baptize. But because it's not, they translated it more literally, mm-hmm. sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There it is. I see it. Well, what about John the Baptist, though? What about John? That's a good question. What about John the Baptist? I mean, certainly he was immersing people, right? It, I mean, it seems to be when I see, I've inclusion. seen the movies. I've seen the movies. <laughs> it's obviously. He's always. It's obviously Duncan. He's out in the river. He's Duncan oh, people. Oh, it has to be. It has Him to and be. his disciples, they're all Duncan people. That's it. Yeah. But, but where does the Bible say that? Uh, Never. Uh, Nowhere. Uh, baptizo. Wait, we already <laughs> talked about that. Dang. John 3.23 is the closest thing you get to it. It says, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. Ah, mm-hmm. you see it there right there? Got it. Immerse. Now, does it lo- say anything about immersion there? They need a lot of water, so it's got to be immersed. Yeah. Well, if you... Do a little um, research okay. in Anon near Salem. You will find, and even Baptists will admit, there's no body of water there that anyone could be immersed in. Oh, snap. It's a, it is a place where there is a bunch of springs okay. in the desert. Okay. You know, why would there need to be plentiful water there? Now, wait, that's not what they showed me in the movies. <laughs> in the movies, he's always in a river. He's always dunking people in a river. Well, I know that I know that's what they do in the movies, but why would there need to be plentiful water there? Because people were coming and being baptized by the thousands. Mm. They they needed to drink, or they needed clear, clean spring water. Mm. Mm. We see him in the Jordan River in the early cave drawings, and he's out in the middle of the Jordan River with Jesus, and he's pouring the clean running water on Jesus's head. Mm. Right, but this verse does not teach, even if you reject everything that I just said. Okay. It does not teach immersion. Mm. The Jews never practiced immersion, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. It was always sprinkling and pouring. Mm -hmm. And so the burden of proof is on someone that says it always means immersion. Show us where someone is immersed in the New Testament. Right. That's the key. Yep. I see it. I see it. I totally see it. Well, Romans chapter 6, though. All right. We don't have to read the whole thing, but it seems to say that baptism is a sign of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What a more, you know, how else could we better picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus than Mm -hmm. by lowering them into the water and pulling them up out, raised to newness of life? Yeah. Seems like a great picture, right? Yeah, makes sense. Only that's not how they buried people. Wait, what? No, when a Jew was buried... His body never made contact with the dirt. His body was put up into a sepulcher. Oh, snap. Onto a shelf. That's right, because they, when they put Jesus in the tomb. There is, there oh, snap. Is, no one is buried oh, snap. laying backwards into a coffin like we do here in America. Oh, my gosh. That's absolutely true. Plus, Romans 6 does not say it is a sign of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a sign of union with Christ, which unites us to his death, burial, and resurrection. 
That's a little bit of a complicated argument. We don't have to get into that. Why you got to get on all this grammar stuff? Yeah, but just because it looks like the way we might bury people today, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the way we crucify people, Mm. you know? But but fortunately, even though it might look like that, that has nothing... There is no place in Scripture that makes that explicit connection. Yeah. Wow. So... Man, that's right there. Water baptism is a sign of the promise of the new covenant. Water baptism is the new covenant sign that signifies the promise of the new covenant, which is the pouring out of the Spirit. The pouring of the Spirit, yep. Joel 2, mm-hmm. Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And when God pours out His Spirit, mm-hmm. He pours it out on people who are standing there. <laughs> I got it. I got it. The ideal mode of baptism is pouring. Hmm. And I think I've made a pretty good case. I think so, too. Yeah, that sounds great. If yeah. someone were in their conscience just not able to go there, they're incredulous about this. I just can't. Okay. Okay. They were born and raised this way, and they must be plunged into the water. Okay. And maybe they don't have any particular um, scruples with whether or not they are plunged face forward, back first, or straight down, but they just, as long <laughs> as all of them goes in the water... Their conscience will be clean. Yeah. I have no problem with that. That's fine. Yeah. It's wrong, hmm. but God is not a perfectionist, and we don't need to be perfectionists either. Okay. And nowhere in the Bible does it explicitly state the amount of leaders necessary in a baptism. Hmm. Hmm. I do think pouring out best pictures the sign that baptism is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if that someone would insist on immersion, I have no problem with that, and I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to make them. I'm going to lay out the arguments and, you know, I report, you decide. And so, <laughs> but I, the reason why this is important is because these podcasts have been designed to um, show the arguments for infant baptism. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to immerse infants. <laughs> Drowning <laughs> isn't a good sign. <laughs> and so, historically, infants are. <laughs> they are poured on. And so I'm making this case to say pouring is fine. Yeah. Pouring, yeah. in fact, is ideal. Yeah. It should be pouring. Yeah, I see it. Just as it should be wine and it should be bread. Mm. It should be pouring of clean, clear water. Amen. Amen. Done. But we're not going to fight and bicker over the signs, right? Um, we're going to eagerly listen to the teaching, and we're going to be Bereans and look into it ourselves. Amen. 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 That's yeah. a wrap. Guys, thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of our series of podcasts on infant baptism. Uh, we'd like to invite you to find more resources uh, from all of Christchurch. You can go to wearechristchurch.com and find audio resources there. You can also go to sermonaudio.com and search keyword We Are Christchurch, all one word. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you all next time.